the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. You know, when we look at the world today and we're seeing so many things go crazy, we shouldn't really be surprised. And I say that to be encouraging. You know, not discouraging, but, you know, you see that things are nuts. But uh, we should, as believers, I think, be encouraged that we still have the Lord on the throne. He is in control. And uh, he has told us how this is actually going to uh, play out everything in our world. We shouldn't be surprised about that. With me to talk about that is Pastor Michael Yearly. He is the lead pastor at the church at Rocky Peak. And uh, Pastor, welcome. Great. Good to be here. Uh, sit right up. Uh, come on up. Turn the microphone. Go. There you go. Okay. And uh, I know, you know when you're preaching, they just stick one on you, and you can just yeah. do whatever you want, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. That took me a while to do uh, realize that you know we met this we just met in person a moment ago mm-hmm. but we met a hundred years ago yes uh and uh you probably wouldn't remember when we actually met i was at uh, a church in san diego as a young adult pastor mm-hmm. and you were at a church where you were i think you were the single ministry pastor was actually it was it's actually i was one of the teaching pastors okay. there and yeah. so but one of the things i did was actually lead that ministry yeah. as well mm-hmm. and it was a great ministry mm-hmm. so for me in the young adult ministry when people really should be in more of a single ministry, I sent them to you all yes. the time, you know, <laughs> yes, which, right. you know <laughs> right. which is something I do. And I think we spoke at a conference one time, or we, we both held workshops maybe, hmm. and this is where I think I met you okay. in person. It was a single adult ministry conference, hmm. and it was in San Diego. It was put on by one of those organizations. I feel like you were there or that I met hmm. you there so long ago. Yeah, I remember that conference, though, because it was my first time doing anything like that. Hmm. I was pretty young, yeah. and I had this workshop on young adult ministry, yes, right? Yes. And uh, I got miserable reviews. They hated me. They, they, <laughs> it was awful. And part of it was because a lot of people in there didn't think Jesus should have anything to do with it. Mm, mm. And so I, yeah. I didn't get into any. Mm. There were lots of trends back mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah. spiritual stuff and yes. weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And I rejected all of that in my yeah. workshop, and uh-huh. uh, they rejected me. Yes. Would you invite him back again? No. The little card said <laughs> many of them. That's and so uh, lo and behold, I was not invited back. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was my first sense that something's wrong, mm-hmm. you know, yes. deeply wrong mm-hmm. in the culture. What's happening in our culture right now? Hmm. Well, you know, I think it's been a long time coming. Uh, and I and I really would trace it back. I mean, you could you could trace back as far as you want to go, but mm-hmm. I think if you go back to the 1960s and some of the um, kind of thinking that was uh, kind of postmodern thinking that was coming into our culture, really at a university level, I, I think what's happened is we've had this uh, this type of thinking, postmodernism, uh, critical uh, critical theory, and so on that's being. Uh, put into our culture for the last, you know, since the 1960s, yeah. the last 50 years, um, at uh, our university level. And you have all those people now that have now graduated out with that perspective over that time. And so I think that we've reached a sort of a cultural tipping point, uh, maybe during the COVID years, mm-hmm. um, 
where all of a sudden there was kind of a critical flashpoint. So that's where I see it it's coming. It's, it's that what's happening in our culture is a direct reflection of the core beliefs of our culture. You know, ideas have power. And when you unleash those ideas, sooner or later, they're going to uh, produce a certain kind of fruit. And I think it's what we're seeing. You know, when we're looking at what's happening with these protests on these campuses and the mm-hmm. statements being made about mm-hmm. supporting Hamas or whatever. Yes, right. What I'm also finding interesting is the shock of so many other people that that would be the case, mm. right? Yeah, right. I'm surprised these – well, mm-hmm. I think what what you're saying is correct. This has been taught mm-hmm. for a long time. Yes. Not just – Overnight, all of a sudden, these no. kids came up with some idea. No. This is the mm-hmm. instruction that has right. been received. Yeah, yeah. This is the um, – there's sort of a cultural milieu, if you will, that, that these kids have been brought up in. And so it doesn't take much to share this new kind of perspective for that, that to feel right. It kind of feels right given the culture they've been brought up in. Right. You know, and we're seeing, you know, obviously this is you know heavy in the news right now, but uh, we have been seeing this breakdown in – the, the world of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, last week here in Los Angeles, there was this curriculum that was given for kindergartners, mm-hmm. kindergartners right. to second grade, teaching them about uh, transsexualism and every kind of sexualism and mm-hmm. intersectionality. Yes. Those are all words mm-hmm. I knew when I was five. <laughs> right. You know, that's what right. I tell my son. Let's talk about intersectionality. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, that's It's incredible mm-hmm. that this is being directed towards kids when 10 minutes ago, I think you would have gone to jail for doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, tell us about your your family. And, uh, you know, have, you have kids? I do. Yeah. yeah. They're both grown. A uh, couple daughters. One lives in uh, down in San Marcos mm-hmm. and uh, uh, down near Vista, California. Uh, the other one lives near us in Simi Valley. They both have families and daughters and so on. Yeah. Do you have mm-hmm. any grandkids? You have, I do. They yeah, have daughters. Have, yeah, we have Those four. Those your grandkids. Yeah, right, so right. So we have four, four granddaughters that range from about age 14 to age 8, wow. 7 so, or 8. So, okay. So your grandkids, mm-hmm. and I, I uh, only slightly hesitate to point this out, are the mm-hmm. same age as my kids. Okay, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. My boys are 14 and 11. Mm-hmm. And... and when you think about this and raising your 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 kids and what you had to deal with with them, yeah, how is it different now when you think about it for your grandkids yeah. or for people like me who our kids are fourteen and eleven? Yeah, you know it's a, it's like a whole different ball game right now. And yeah. I think one of the things that we're recognizing that we're working on behind the scenes, even at our church, is that that um, that like being a parent or being a grandparent is completely different now. There is such a need for parents to be more engaged than ever before that that gone are the days where you can uh, send your kids to school and maybe wait till seventh or eighth grade when something comes up hmm. that is maybe coming from a different different worldview. Maybe it's just a single issue. Maybe it's about sexuality a little bit. Maybe it's about theory of evolution. And so, hey, I've got time. I've got time to get prepared. Like it's not that game is on right now. Like, yeah. like if we're going to raise our kids for Jesus, we have to we have to be intentionally uh, in the game, and it's going to just require so much more attention. Um, and so much more time than it has previous generations. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Michael Yearly. He is the lead pastor at the church at Rocky Peak. And uh, are you in, is it in Chatsworth or Los Angeles? Or yeah, it's in Chatsworth, Chatsworth which actually. is part of LA, but yeah. Chatsworth, yeah. Yeah, right. okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're talking about the, the world today and how things have changed philosophically. You know, when you talked about postmodernism, I feel like for many of us listening, 
that was something that maybe vaguely reminded us of a time when there was a theory going around that you could have more than one truth. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got mm-hmm. your truth, I've got. But we kind of laughed at it mm-hmm. 20, 30 years yes, ago. Yes, yeah. Right? We, uh-huh. That's ridiculous. You mm-hmm. can't. But what we're living through right now is that philosophy being applied. Yes, exactly. That's why, especially applied with, through critical theory. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, critical theory is sort of the, the idea that there is no truth. And so anyone who tells you it, who, there is a truth is really trying to use it to oppress you. And that in every section of culture, those peop- there's people that have the upper hand uh, in that area of culture. And they're going to be uh, kind of giving a narrative that they would say is true in order to, you, to, to keep uh, hold on to their power um, and to oppress others. And so, you know, that, that – you see that in critical race theory, it's, a, it's applied to race, but uh, like in sexuality, it's applied to what we call queer theory. Right. And so the, the goal then of queer theory is to, to, uh, to deconstruct all sexual norms. The mm-hmm. idea is that, you know, from Christianity, we've inherited this idea that sex is for marriage. It's for one man, for one woman, for a lifetime of love and commitment. Um, and so in queer theory, so that, that's actually just by created by kind of heterosexuals in order to justify their lifestyle. And so any other sex is going to be put down and labeled as wrong or deviant or per, uh, perverted or whatever. But the reality is this is all a social construct. This is all something that they've just made up. And so we need to deconstruct all of that. And that's what you're seeing in our culture now where kind of uh, the – the core belief of our culture right now is that all sex is good sex as long as it's with consenting adults. Um, and, of course, there, there's no limit to this. Once you say there's no rules, and so what you're seeing in the transgender movement is the breaking down even of gender and sexuality. And I think that the next the next horizon is to break down the barrier with sex with children. We're seeing that already starting to happen. You know, I think it's one of those things that when we hear that, we don't want to believe that to be true, mm-hmm. right? We we hear that and we go, come on, you know, is that really going to be happening? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if if you just go back three or four or five years, mm-hmm. you know, the notion that we would be changing the language at the CDC from mother to birthing persons. Right. 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 That we would be having yeah. like at the, the highest scientific institution of our government. Yes. Can't say mother. Right. That that it's not some wild bunch of kids somewhere, you know, doing something crazy. Yeah. And the next step is we've moved from and I realize this is an uncomfortable subject, but we have to, I think, as believers, we've got to be able to talk about it. Absolutely. Right. We can't just because we have a response Mm -hmm. that needs to be said and moving towards uh, what are called minor attracted persons. Yes, exactly. That's the term. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to hear in the news anymore or seldom hear the word pedophile. You're going to hear the word minor attracted person. Yeah. And, and that's the first step of any change is to change the language. That's why language is so important. That's why pronouns are so important. If you want to change the way people think, the first step is to change the language. Yeah. So that, that's why, that's why um, in secular news, it's, it's always pro-choice uh, or pro-abortion. It's never pro-choice and pro-life. Uh, so if you, if you want to, if you want to, it's it's why we call uh, same sex sex attraction. We call it, uh, people that aren't in favor of that we call it homophobia. Because if you, if you can label something a phobia, you, you've now won the kind of the, the ideological uh, foundation on which you're going to stand. You're already saying, hey, this is irrational. This is a a phobia. This is you know so. 
So, yeah, so we're seeing that with this minor attracted persons now. It's a first step. And when you stop and think about it, this is nothing new. I mean, sex with minors has been a major part of world history Mm -hmm. uh, going back. You think of Plato, you think of the Greeks, you think of the Romans. And this was very much practiced. So the idea that we would never return to this is crazy. It's like this is where sin takes you. It always takes you further down kind of this uh, this death spiral, as I call it. When you say that, and you talk about the the death spiral, Mm -hmm. you know, Scripturally speaking, yeah, you know we we as pastors and you know I've got a show I gotta I gotta talk no matter what. Yes, you know, yes. Uh, I was telling you about <laughs> a guest who didn't show up a while ago, and I just gotta make it mm-hmm. up as I yeah. go. Right? Um, we need to make sure that we as believers are rooting our our thoughts into the scripture. Mm-hmm. And we talk about death spiral and stuff. Where do we find that? Yeah, yeah. I think you know even before we we go there, I, I'd say this is that. As followers of Jesus in this culture, we really have to understand and grow in, in our understanding of a Christian worldview and start understanding the world and culture through the worldview lens. Because these random these random things that are happening in our culture where you see society uh, you know, falling apart, uh, where you see laws coming out, you can't suspend students for defiance. Yeah, you, that just happened uh, just now. Can, yeah, you, but, can you explain right. that real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard. I mean, I, I just heard that, that right. you know, the new, new thing. And so um, what's happening is there's all these this craziness, and it all seems random, but it actually isn't random. It's mm. flowing out of the worldviews that are shaping our culture, you know, worldviews of, you know, naturalism uh, meets uh, postmodernism, throwing some critical theory and some new age, and you've got our culture. Yeah. Right? And so what we need to do is, as followers of Jesus, understand that the, the, the narrative, the stories that are, are guiding our culture are diametrically opposed to the Christian story, the Christian worldview. Um, and and so if we can begin to see it like that, suddenly all these random craziness are no longer random. They just make sense when you're seeing it through the lens of these other worldviews. Yeah, and I, I think that's a helpful thing for believers to understand that, mm-hmm. right? Because we're sitting back going, this is crazy. Yeah. Where did this come from? Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's not... It is crazy, but it's not surprising, and it's it is laid out for us mm-hmm. uh, in in what's happening. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Michael Yearly. He is the lead pastor at the church at Rocky Peak. And um, Pastor, you know, how do we encourage people to take a look at these hard things in the scriptures um, and take them to heart? And then I, I really kind of want to work on what do we do with it? You know, how mm-hmm. do we understand it? Mm-hmm. And then what do we do sure. with that? Knowledge? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, a minute ago you were talking about uh, this flowing out of Scripture, you know, this kind of this death spiral. Uh, One of the passages of Scripture that's just been so – become one of my favorite, uh, not in the sense that it's inspiring, but in the sense of understanding culture and understanding human culture – is in the, the kind of the, the first major section of Paul's letters to the Romans. So yeah. Romans one eighteen to thirty two, I think is has become one of the most profound passages of Scripture. I think in all the Bible, and what Paul basically says is that when a culture uh, rejects the truth about God, that God is clearly revealed uh, through creation, through human nature, through conscience. Um, what we used to call, or still call this, but, but through natural law, we would call it that in theology. When, we, when a culture reje- rejects that, that something happens, that the lights go out. The lights go out uh, spiritually, uh, intellectually, they go out morally, they go out relationally, and it leads to this downward, what I, I describe as a death spiral that Paul describes in that. 
And the first step is is spiritual confusion. Um, mm. we, we don't like the truth about that's been revealed about who God is and who we are, so we create gods in our own image. Uh, it leads to spiritual confusion. That leads in turn, if you don't know who God is, that leads in turn, we don't know who we are because we're created in his image. And that leads to sexual confusion, Paul says, and even sexual perversion. And finally, the last step is it leads to social chaos, where we no longer know how to relate to one another. We become self-absorbed. And so if you look at Romans 1, you just clearly you see that, that progression that's so profound that we see. And if you look at what's happening in our culture right now, it's, it's just like a description of what we're seeing. Yeah, it really is, right there in Romans 1. And, of course, he's writing this 2,000 years mm-hmm. ago. And he's writing it at a time when Rome is going through this death spiral. Yeah, absolutely. Right? They wouldn't have said that at no. the time. Mm-mm. But looking back, we all yeah. know. Yes. They went through this exact mm-hmm. same thing, and empires do. How did, how did we end up confused about God mm. spiritually? Like where, in our country in particular. Yeah. Where yeah. it seems like I had a young person come to our church, and she was 18, and she literally said to me, before she'd never been inside a church yes. she'd never been to a yeah. wedding she'd never been in the building yes very common she, she said what goes on in there <laughs> and i said well we bring out a goat <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know right. but yeah. offer blood sacrifice yeah we do all mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. you know and she sort of laughed um but you know it occurred to me this person that's a change in our culture mm-hmm. that nobody ever invited this person to sunday school mm-hmm. nobody invited yeah. her to mm-hmm. church she yeah. you know or if they did she didn't go they didn't, parents wouldn't let her there's some story there mm-hmm. but that's common isn't it yeah yeah it is common yeah how did that happen yeah you know i think i mean there's a lot of there's you could you come at that from a lot of different angles but the angle i want to come at it from rather than kind of blaming culture or blaming mm-hmm. government is just say i i think that if the the church hasn't been the church you know, it's like we, we have not really the, – the thing is, is that the Bible presents this, this, this worldview that's really beautiful and compelling, um, but it has to be lived out in life. And so when, when the non-believing world looks at what they believe is a Christian world, they, they take it for face value. It's like the, 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 that's what the Bible is. So when they look at the church and the church is not really living out this life of kind of passionately pursuing God and really truly loving one another, loving others, serving sacrificially – when, when that happens, I think that people are quick to write it off as that is not the answer. And I think that's, that's one of the things we're fighting against is we, we were formed as in, in some sense a Christian, maybe a Christian worldview to some degree at least. And, um, and the church has not really been the light of the world. And so it's easy for people in our culture to write it off as, well, that's obviously not the solution. Look, it's not produced anything. So mm-hmm. I, I think we have to start, like, like, uh, Peter says, judgment starts at the house of God. We got to look at our own house. Yeah. First. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're right. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Michael Yearly. He's the pastor of the church at Rocky Peak. So when we look at that, we, do you feel like as the church that we, are having a hard time admitting that times have changed. I remember when Barack Obama said it's a post-Christian mm-hmm. world, post-Christian mm-hmm. era. Yeah. A lot of Christians got upset about right. that. Right. But I thought, no, he what he said is correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, are we – that was probably 10 years ago. Are we, mm-hmm. are we holding on to that better now? Are we acknowledging that? Or mm. do we have some more room to go there? Yeah, I think, I think it really varies from, from church to church, from mm. part of the country, part of the country. Um, but I think in, in, gen- in general, we haven't really woken up to – let's put it this way. For, for many people, 
who would call themselves followers of Jesus in our culture. We don't really realize what's happening in the culture mm. and how late the time is. So mm. I think that there's a, a lot of waking up. I think of Ephesians, wake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I think it's time for the church to wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, when we come back from the break here in a minute, and uh, we've we got a little time here before the break, but uh, you've got a, if you can stay, can you stay another Absolutely, second? Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just some things to help us with that. Mm-hmm. How to, you know, something simple to remember yes. for how do we approach this mm-hmm. and how do we get moving? And, you know, maybe in a way where we're doing this where there's different ways to do it in our families in our churches first, but also in the culture somehow, mm-hmm. right? There's a yeah. voice that yeah. needs to be spoken kindly, mm-hmm. but boldly Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in our, our time today. Um, we'll go to a break here in just a second. The Church at Rocky Peak, this is the pastor, Michael Yearly, and uh, you can find out more. What's the best website to go to for us? Uh, yeah, it's just www.rockypeak.org. Rockypeak.org. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very mm-hmm. good. If you're ever driving on the 118 freeway mm-hmm. and you're heading uh, from the valley into Simi Valley, you know, there's the valley mm-hmm. and then there's Simi Valley. Right, and there's right. multiple valleys. Right. But there's, if you're leaving the valley into mm-hmm. Simi Valley, you'll see a cross on the side of the hill. Yeah. And uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, down meet, below there. You yeah. just meet right there in the dirt. <laughs> we do, yeah. No. We're, we're very first century. <laughs> that's right. <very> yeah. <laughs> there's a sinkhole yeah, we, that happened. We got right a whole, yeah, we got that, it, right? exactly. That's our new catacombs right there. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. excellent. Is, mm-hmm. Are they going to bury you in there? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I had plans for my own burial at a church house at one time. I thought, you know, right there, that's where you can put me. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. And uh, we'll be back with Pastor Michael yearly. And when we come back, we'll give you some tools to think about and encourage you uh, in this world that, where there's a death spiral, but there is life for those who know Christ. And that's what we get to talk about and uh, celebrate together. You can follow me on the social medias. Just follow me at, at Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can do that right now. And you can watch us at KKLA.com. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Scott Furrow with you, and my guest is Pastor Michael Yearly. He is the lead pastor at the church at Rocky Peak. How long have you been at Rocky Peak? Yeah, we've been here for uh, 18 years. 18 years, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Now, where did you grow up? Uh, we actually, my wife and I both grew up in North San Diego County, so okay. kind of that Vista Oceanside, yeah. uh, Carlsbad Triangle. Right. We came we came back there uh, after after we both finished college and started going to uh, a little church. It was the Evangelical Free Church. They just started um, about three years old, 120 people, and then. About four years into that, I came on as the second pastor there uh, with uh, Larry Osborne. And uh, so we were there for 20 years, and mm. just that little church became a big church. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, 18 years ago, God brought us up here. Yeah. Well, it's great to be with you. I grew up in Palmdale, so oh, I'm, wow. I'm kind of almost moving yes, back home. Yes, uh-huh. uh, I like to say Palmdale's a good place to be from. Yes, yeah, kind of like right. Nazareth or something. Yeah, it's a lot like, <laughs> it's like can anything good come out? I th- yeah, yeah, I think mm-hmm. that might be right. Yeah. Uh, no offense, Palmdale Yeah, yeah, people, no, no, we, you know, love you. we love you. We love you. We love you. And uh, in fact, I was just up there, and I, I ate at the Del Taco that's still there, the same one wow. I ate at as a kid. How about it's that? It's like tr- the power so, of tradition, right? It is, and the power of Del Taco. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, they should be paying us some money now, because I <laughs> Absolutely. I might imagine how many burritos I just uh, sold yes, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. So we've been talking about the uh, 
what's going on in our culture. And uh, we, you pass, Pastor, you called it the death spiral, mm-hmm. but it's really from Romans 1, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's the order of how things have gone and, mm-hmm. and how things go in cultures where you have spiritual confusion followed by sexual confusion and then social chaos. Yes. And I think we're yes. seeing that We're seeing exactly here. right now, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do we respond as Christians to that? Yeah. You know, without just saying, oh, well, this is the way it's going to be, mm-hmm. and I'll just stay home and stare at my <laughs> rectangles. Yeah, well, well. Um, recently I've been talking about what I call the three C's. Mm. Um, and so the three C's are the C of clarity, uh, the second one's the C of compassion, and the third is the C is the C of courage. Uh, and so, so by clarity, I mean that first of all, as as followers of Jesus, we need to get really clear on the Christian worldview. You know, so so for example, uh, if we're talking about sexuality, that we really need to understand kind of God's vision for sexuality. It's, mm. it's not enough for us to say, well, certain, hey, don't do this and you know, do this and don't do that. You know, right. it's like we we need to understand the story that we're in, the big picture story of the Bible. Is talking about and and why what where sex fits into that story where sex and marriage and so on fits in that story, so we we need to get clarity on what the Bible teaches like well what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus to see life as He sees it, um, but we also need to get clarity on the issues that we're facing in culture. So for example, recently uh, I did this message out of Romans one on kind of transgenderism, mm-hmm. right? and so. If we're going to speak to that, we need to really understand um, kind of what, what's being taught, what's believed, the worldview it comes out of, why are we being taught these? So we, we, we need to get educated so we can speak authoritatively to yeah. those things. So that's the clarity piece. There's a Clarity speaks of biblical clarity, a Christian worldview, but also clarity on the issue at hand. And to understand why. And to understand right? why. Yeah. yeah, to understand where this comes from, the worldview it comes out of, um, how how – how those who would be activists for this position, like what's really driving them. Yeah. Um, so for, for example, you know, when we look at what's happening in our culture sexually and with the transgender movement, um, that, that what's really driving that in our corporations, in our government, in our education um, are activists that have bought into queer theory. So, so not every transgender person would agree with this. In fact, Probably most wouldn't, mm-hmm. but but they're not what's driving. What's driving is the activists that are are being driven from a worldview that's coming out of queer theory, and so as Christians, we need to understand that uh, what's going on, why it's happening. Um, so so it's understanding what what is God's vision for sexuality, what does God's word say about this, uh, but also uh, what these like where these other uh, ideologies are coming from. Right, so that's clarity. Yeah, that's clarity. So, yeah. And that's important. We've got to start with that. So yeah. when we get the clarity, what do we do next? Yeah, next, the next C is for, for compassion. Uh, and, and, and what I mean by that is often when we're dealing let's, – let's talk about these issues like hum, sexuality issues, right? So we're living in a culture that's uh, – con- the, the constant message is that we need to be affirming for all the LGBTQ plus agenda. Um, and so, but but what we need to understand is that often people that are participating in this lifestyle, 
that there's often uh, pain that mm. goes on in that. Yeah. Um, that we have people in our churches, for example, they're they're struggling with same sex attraction, right? And so, for the most case, in most cases, they didn't ask for this. They don't want it. And and many times, Christians have just given simplistic answers to that. Hey, just, just take just ask God to take that away, or you must have done something, or this is because you were uh, this is because you were molested, which is often not the case. And so, like. For, for, we need to get clarity on that issue. Like, like, what does what does the Bible say is appropriate in a sexual relationship? But also, like, well, what are the sources of homosexual attraction? Yeah, how do you be compassionate without sacrificing the clarity of the truth? Yeah, and I think I think that the way we come at it is often we can come at this with simplistic answers to complex problems. We don't really enter into the struggle or the battle the person has. We just want to come with prescriptions of here's what you need to do. So, so I think mm-hmm. that being being good listeners, being a safe place for people to share their struggle is just so important. So we, we never compromise the truth. Um, we, we don't affirm things that are not true or right or good. But we need to be people that are really great listeners to each, you know, to hear each story. I, uh, one of the books that we've uh, recommended is a book by um, uh, called Embodied by Preston Sprinkles, and and that book is about transgenderism. What does Bible say? Uh, what is causes of this? We, you know, it's a great book. Uh, but one of the things that that Preston will often say in that book is, if you've met one transgender, you've met one transgender. Right. Like there's there's right. a million stories, and so rather than assuming that we understand what's going on, uh, that to to be able to enter into that conversation with compassion, uh, to be good listeners, uh, to come alongside, and to help people figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus uh, from where you're at. Yeah, I think that's really helpful because we got to come alongside people, mm-hmm. right? Jesus would have sat down, absolutely, with yeah. people and had yeah. meals mm-hmm. and understood without sacrificing what is true, right? Right. But he can do that in a way that's compassionate. I think we we've turned compassion as a culture into whatever you want to do. I'm okay with it. Yes, yeah. I think we've misunderstood love as a culture. You know, yeah. like love no longer means what it's classically meant. Uh, that love is seeking another person's highest good. Mm. That's what love is. Uh, it's what classically, biblically, that's what love is. But we've turned it into love means supporting you in whatever choice you want to make in your life and whatever you want to believe. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's not loving to support. Like if someone has anorexia, we don't come alongside of them and say, hey, you look in the mirror, you feel like you're fat. Well, therefore you are fat. And we will... We, we agree you're overweight, and we will support you as you slowly starve yourself. I mean, that's just not love. Right? That's not love. That's not love, that's right? Not love. So when you, when you are talking with someone that's struggling with gender dysphoria, which can be tremendously painful, it's not love to say, hey, we want to affirm you. We want to affirm how you feel about yourself, and we want to come alongside. We're going to use your pronouns. We're going to support your, your uh, transitioning. Uh, that's not really love because it's it's – contrary to the creator's design it, it won't lead to human flourishing and the, yeah and there's so much damage later yes you know? so much damage later like, why would you do that yes yeah this is the pastor scott show my guest is pastor michael yearly he is the lead pastor of the church at rocky peak clarity compassion and uh, you said three c's so yeah, what's yeah. the, the, the third for our c. response to this world what's yeah. the third one the, the third c is courage and i think we're entering into a new era of christianity it's more, it's more like the second century church than, right. than anything else 
And so uh, Jesus said, if the world hates you, uh, hey, take courage that they hated me. He said mm. that if, you, if, if you're persecuted for the sake of righteousness, rejoice. And I, I don't think that's been our mindset. It's, it's, we've not had to have that mindset in, in, our, in, in this country, in our culture. But as the culture shifts, uh, that there's going to be a, a price for standing up for Jesus and what's right and good and true. And we, we need to be willing to pay that price, that we're going to need to seek the Holy Spirit for a new level of courage. Mm. Because otherwise, if Jesus said, we're the light of the world. And if the light goes out, then all that's left is darkness. And so if the church, if followers of Jesus, stop standing for what is right and good and true, there is no hope. Right? So, that's right. So, so we, we can't hide our light under the, under the bed or under the basket. You know, yeah. We need to set it on the hill where it can be seen. You know what I find is that when, when Christians are courageous with their faith, mm-hmm. they get over with fear, it is amazing how much strength you get, which comes from the Lord, Yeah. once you've done that. And you yeah. realize, in a way, you're missing out by not being courageous. Yes, yeah, and right. I think we all need to be challenged that way. I know I need to be challenged that yeah. way. So I, I think that it's, just, it's a different paradigm that we've we've lived in a culture where you can be a follower of Jesus and not pay that high a price. I think the mm. price of following Jesus is going up. It's going up dramatically. Yeah. Uh, it's going up rapidly. And so I think we need to like, gird ourselves for that that battle. We need to get ready for that. Inflation and the cost of following yeah, Jesus. Absolutely. Yes, it <laughs> shouldn't be surprising. <laughs> right, you know? right. Um, you know, clarity, compassion, and courage, that's an easy way to remember mm-hmm. it. How can we uh, you know, pray for each other to really help us with, with that, wherever it is that we're we're going to church, wherever our fellowship is with other believers, our own prayer life. How do we pray about that? Yeah, I think I, I think it's just really important. I think this is something we don't do on our own. Like this is something we have to do as churches. Like mm. as pastors, we have to shepherd our flock with great intentionality right yeah. now. Right, that we 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 just need to recognize that our, for example, our parents are being faced with incredibly difficult choices um, uh, every day. And uh, and so this is not something we just do on our own. This is something we have as a community, clear teaching and shepherding from pastors. We need to build strong community with one another and then be coming along like the early church and lifting each other up for prayer, for courage, that the Holy Spirit would empower us to be a light in this generation. Yeah, that is encouraging, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I want to encourage everybody listening, you know, this is, this is why you go to church. Mm-hmm. You know, this is sometimes there's reasons we get discouraged from going to church. But the why uh, still is there. The reason we're encouraged to go mm-hmm. is so that we can have clarity. Mm-hmm. And if you're not getting clarity, then maybe you know you should think about it. Maybe it's not the right place. Yes, right. right. And we can have compassion because God's going to put people in your life who need the compassion of Christ. And God trusts you, I think, to be compassionate if you'll trust him with that. And the courage to to speak out or the courage to serve, the courage to speak the truth, even though there's a high price. Amen. Price going up. Pastor Amen. Michael Yearly from Church at Rocky Peak, uh, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Website for Rocky Peak again is rockypeak.org. Yeah, right, rockypeak.org. Yeah, very, very simple. Pastor Michael Yearly, thanks for joining me yeah. on the Pastor Scott Show. Pleasure. You can uh, learn more about the church at Rocky Peak by going to rockypeak.org. This is the Pastor Scott Show, and uh, you can follow me at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, or X. Or Instagram. I don't know if we're going to get used to calling it X. I don't know what you know what that mm-hmm. is. But Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. You can follow me now there, and you can watch us at kkla.com. If you want a podcast of this episode, just look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it at kkla.com on the Pastor Scott Show page. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. 
You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I came across this story that I enjoyed. It is a lawyer who is in the country of Kenya, is arrested because he's a fake lawyer. So he's not a real lawyer, but he's been trying cases in Kenya. And he was trying cases from August of 2022 until September of 2023, and trying cases in front of the, uh, in various Kenyan courts, including the the high courts. And he's, he's pretend. And what he did was there's a lawyer who had the same name as him. And the lawyer's name is Brian Mwenda, and he discovered that there's another Brian Mwenda who is a lawyer, and what he did was he hacked into this guy's whatever the legal account is. So there's some kind of uh, – I imagine if you're part of the Bar Association here or you know, maybe in your law firm, there's obviously some place where you keep your cases and where your identity is held, maybe your law license, whatever is, is there, right? So he hacked into whatever the computer system is that holds on to all the legal information of the real Brian Mawinda, and he replaced – hit that guy's pictures with his own pictures. And he went out and he had these professional pictures taken of himself where he's got the wig on and it's, uh, you know, it's an old British colony. So they still have some of those traditions there. And he's got the robe on and the collar. And uh, he's got this super nice suit on, fancy watch, all of these great pictures. Like this is the type of guy you'd look at and you go, I want to hire that guy as my attorney. And he did all of that. And he started practicing law, except that he's not a lawyer. He had never been to class. He had never, uh, as far as anybody could tell, you know, obviously he had studied enough law to be able to do it. And uh, he handled 26 cases before he got caught in uh, just a little over a year, 26 cases. What do you think his record is? You know, what do you think this guy who's a phony baloney lawyer, what do you think his record is, uh, Wilbert, of cases? Undefeated. Undefeated. This guy... What's that? He has not lost a case. He has not lost a case. <laughs> He's a fake lawyer, and uh, he has not lost a case. What's wrong with that? Well, I don't know what's wrong with that, right? I mean, if you're one of his uh, clients, how do you feel about it? Turn You win your case. Can they? Can there be a retrial if that comes out? I don't think so. I, 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 don't, I don't know. The article I read about it didn't say anything. But, like, if you won your case, but your lawyer was a phony— I would think if your lawyer is a phony and you lost, then you could definitely appeal, right? Yeah, that would right. be reason for appeal. But if you won, and what does that say to the other lawyer you know, who was against you? You got beat by a guy who he's smart enough to hack somebody's uh, system. Um, that's an amazing story. And so his clients are kind of trying to rally behind him. Right. And some other people are saying, you know what, why don't you uh, why don't we just give you an honorary degree? I just want to know how much you charge now. Right. You know, how much (laughs) was he a discount lawyer? I bet he was. What do you he must have been right. He must have been. Or it's you know, the cases might be something, though, where you take a percentage. Right. You ever have to do that? That's true. Yeah. That's one of those things you got to get past when you get to a lawyer. Right. And you say, uh, well, how do I pay you? Well, you know, you pay me if you win and you pay me uh, 40 percent. 40%, Forty percent, you know, but you can't normally. You can't do it without that person. So you you pay him, 
you know, zero if you lose. So that's a pretty good deal, actually, as, as painful as that seems at the time. So maybe he did. Maybe he got 40. He's got a nice watch on in the picture. I also want to know what kind of cases he took. Yeah, he's uh, – I'm not reading about what kinds of cases, but one of the people that he defended was a mayor of some town. And the mayor is saying – oh, here it is. The mayor faced allegations of drug trafficking and money laundering during his political career. And this guy got him off. Maybe maybe he's innocent, right? But uh, whatever happened there, that worked out for him. So there's a there's a picture of him standing next to him and saying, you know what? Uh, whether he's a real lawyer or not, he has my gratitude. <laughs> At this point, they should just give him the the qualifications. He won twenty. He's twenty six and he's 26 and 0. Yeah. You know, I mean... Uh, he's proven himself. He's Yeah, maybe that's a way to do it. Maybe you can just skip uh, going to law school and you spending a million dollars. You know how they celebrities, and... like, honorary bachelor's degrees from, like, colleges? Can he get one from, from like, a college? Right. Is that a real degree? I don't know. <laughs> like, well, you know, somebody help me with that. 888-528-2557. If you get an honorary degree, you get an honorary doctorate of something, you know, from some college... Is that a real degree? I mean, do you put that in your resume? Do you start – if you get an honorary doctorate, if somebody gives me an honorary doctorate, am I Dr. Scott? Is this the uh, the Dr. Scott Faroe show now? Can I use that as if I had been to school? What's that? Oh, it's uh, – it is – is that how that works with honorary degrees? Anybody got one? 888-528-2557. And I just think that is an incredible, incredible story that uh, he could get away with that and be successful because I don't think it's easy to you he must have known enough to know how to navigate through uh you know a a court if you've watched enough law and order do you think you can do it like you've watched all of the uh, you've watched all the episodes of law and order and you have watched uh, special victims unit you've watched all the different versions of it does that mean you could actually fake your way through it it maybe it does I mean, as much SVU as I've watched, I think I can get through it. You could do it. Well, maybe that is what you – maybe that's what you should be doing on the side. That can be your side hustle. You can yeah. represent some uh, politicians expected uh, – who are accused of drug trafficking. What was that 80s show, uh, Doogie Hauser, Wilbert Flores, MD? Yeah. G- Wilbert Flores, JD. That could be what it is. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I just think that's a fun story. In the midst of uh, so many not fun stories that are out there, you know, I wanted to talk about that. There's people out there. (laughs) I don't know how you get the nerve to do it, right? How do you get the nerve to say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to hack into this guy's uh, files and change the pictures, and I'm just going to go practice law. I'm going to go pretend to be a lawyer. uh, He has a new gig. He's cybersecurity now. Cybersecurity. That probably is the the gig, right? Is sometimes these guys, the the you know, the the police say, help us with uh, other places where this is going on. You know, uh, there's something out there called um, uh, imposter syndrome. You know what that is? Uh, isn't that when you you fake your or you, you're not it's, aware of where you want to be? Well, imposter syndrome. I think what it is is it's when you have a real job. But you feel like you don't deserve it. You feel like you're faking it. You're not faking it. You're actually there. But imposter syndrome is when you feel like I don't deserve this or I'm not qualified for this. Somehow I got this position. It's kind of the opposite because you deserve it. And and a lot of people go through that. It's just an insecurity. So does he have reverse imposter syndrome? He has reverse imposter syndrome, I guess, is how that is. Uh, I think that is amazing. You know, 
one thing I want to mention here is that sometimes we have that, you know, imposter syndrome in our life, and sometimes maybe we're faking it, or sometimes we just don't feel too good about ourselves for whatever. I remember the first time when I became a pastor, uh, when I became a senior pastor. So I was a, a staff person at a big church for a while. And, you know, the nice thing about being a staff person is at the end of the day, you're not in charge, right? Somebody else is in charge. And if you, you, you're accountable for whatever your area is, but you're not the, the head honcho. Um, but man, when I became a senior pastor, I remember lying in bed one day going, what am I doing? I'm a senior pastor. How did I do that? That's the, that's the imposter syndrome. All right, 888-528-2557. Frank and Silmar, uh, do you know the answer? If you get an honorary degree, are you, uh, are you? is it for real? Uh, hi, Pastor Scott, how are you? I'm, I'm good, Frank. Hey, good. Hey, no, I just wanted to mention something about this guy, um, this guy in, um, uh, in the, Kenya. The, the, the African guy. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, well, actually, have you watched this movie, Law Abiding Citizen? There's something, something very similar to that. This guy just, he studied law and you're, actually, I know you're able to represent yourself in court if you know enough law on how to address, you know, the, the judge and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, not really a good idea, though. But yeah, you, but I you mean, can. I don't know. Hello? Yeah. I can't hear you too well. I think you got your radio up pretty loud, but uh, we're almost done with the, the show. But yeah, it's an interesting thing. Uh, be careful out there, though, if you ever find yourself. Thanks for calling, Frank. Um, if you ever find yourself in trouble, because that's what they say. You know, the uh, person who defends themselves uh, has a fool for a client. Um, and uh, anyway, I don't know what the deal is with that. But hey, you know, if you're faking it out there or you feel like. Uh, you know, if you're in a position and you feel like God has put you there to do whatever that is, and you're not faking it, you're not lying about your your credentials or things like that, you know, then you need to trust the Lord that he's going to provide what you need for you to be successful. That's how you do it. Uh, I'm out of time here. I see your other calls here, but we are out of time for today. We'll be back tomorrow from three to five. And um, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me on social media. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can get the podcast of this or in any hour that you miss. Just subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Look for the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, and you can also find everything at kkla.com. Everybody, I'm Scott Furrow. See you Monday from 3 to 5 in the Pastor Scott Show. Have a great weekend. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.